Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Work, 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 well, we're back. Hey. Another week working. And I mean, it is a pretty good day because Rihanna's pregnant. Yeah. But we're talking about that in the T-Report, so let's not talk about it now. Yeah. I'm just saying. Don't too much away. Um, I'm very, very excited about it, though. But another day, huh? Another week? Uh, it is. Yes, and I'm happy because I am all boosted up, everyone. About time. You're all safe, sure and I'm just safe got too. vaccinated this weekend. No, that's <laughs> not true. Stop spreading rumors about my body. Um, while Cheryl was dealing with that, I was in Palm Springs. Um, I totally forgot. Yeah, I mean, it's not I mean, like you I checked remem- in or anything. You don't care about Well, me. you know, it's more that I don't want to bother you because also Ryan doesn't answer texts. <laughs> so unless I'm like over in the mood to have a whole call. People find a way to speak to me if they want to talk to me. Well. So work on it, man. I just expect that I'm going to talk to you on Monday. But okay, That's true. I was in Palm Springs. (laughs) It was so wonderful always to be back. I love going down there. I literally went down there Saturday Mm -hmm. and I stayed at a beautiful uh, villa. And um, it was just absolutely wonderful. And also, if you're in Palm Springs and you were not at the airport hangar, there was like, I went to a party out there. Jeff Consoletti, who is, you know, has his own production company. He's done L.A. Pride. He did the big Pride Festival last year. Uh And honestly, that was a place to be. If you were in Palm Springs on Saturday. Wow. And if you weren't, I'm sorry. You just kind of missed out on the brilliant night. It was really fun. Yeah, I was just at home watching the Janet Jackson documentary. Yeah, it was was really, really nice. I mean, it was like... On a like airport hangar, which I've never been to a party out there. That's legit. Yeah, it was just it was really nice. It was nice to see a lot of people. It was nice to be back in Palm Springs. Yeah, we love it there. You know, Channel Q. I always listening to it when I'm out there. Oh, and so well, at yeah. least one of us was partying. Yeah, it was it was nice actually. I got to um I that was I went to a party by myself. That was the first time I kind of like did that, <laughs> and I knew people already there, but not enough where I was like you know I was hanging out with the um, two other folks I had just met that night, and it was really nice. Like, going to places by yourself always end up, like, kind of turning out fine, even if you're nervous about it. Do you have to get drunk to enjoy it? I have to say, because the, the the place I stayed at, they gave me, a, like, a free bottle of tequila. Okay. I was, like, I was, like, three shots deep. Okay, that helps. So I was already social drunk anxiety. when I got there. You know, I most definitely was. And then, you know, the, the way the, 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 the service was set up at the uh, party. Yeah. You could not stand with an empty, like, okay. Hand. Like, so there was always someone, like, you want another drink? You want another drink? And so, it, you know, I just kept drinking and drinking Good. and drinking. And I'm happy I made it back yeah. to the room safely. <laughs> yeah. 
You are speaking. You're clear-minded, it seems. It was wonderful. And then I came back Sunday and uh, watched Euphoria and relaxed the rest of the day. It was really nice. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan. I'm happy you got back safe. Yeah. And happy birthday, Jeff. We we love you. You know, Channel Q loves him. Yes. Exactly. Lots coming up on the show today. Uh, Drag Race recap with our fave Tony Moore. Stick around for that at 4.20 p.m. Pacific, 7.20 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, I was like, is that the right time? Uh, Plus, in 20 minutes, an amazing example of LGBTQ plus acceptance in a traditionally Republican area. And the question is, can this happen across the country? First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. One of the leaders of the anti-vax movement claimed on TV that the goal of the government's response to the COVID-19 pandemic is to make people either chronically sick or turn them into transhumanist cyborgs. This person is Dr. Sherry Tenpenny of Ohio, who has also got a history of anti-LGBTQ statements, especially around transgender people. So she is going off on her rant now, it seems, and on a little campaign. Uh, for everyone who are now transhumanist cyborgs. Hey, that sounds kind of cool. I'll be a transhumanist cyborg. I don't know what that is. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Now, Texas Senator Ted Cruz called President Biden's commitment to nominate the first black woman to the Supreme Court, quote, offensive, and said that by doing so, the president is telling other Americans you are ineligible. We're going to be playing that clip later on in the show and getting into, uh, you know, the problematic nature of all those statements. So stick around for that. And uh, finally, at least uh, six historically black colleges and universities received bomb threats this morning, disrupting campus operations and launching police investigations. Uh, Southern University and A&M, Howard University, Bethune-Cookman University, Albany State University, Bowie State University, and Delaware State University all received those bomb threats. Uh, So that's really scary and sad. Thankfully, I mean, nothing is happening as of yet, but they are looking into it. But in the meantime, you know, classes are canceled. Students are remaining in their dorms. And it's obviously doesn't feel safe, probably, if you're just constantly receiving these threats. So we just want to send our our love and good vibes out to everyone there. But that was what's training this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Uh, first up, well, of course, we're talking about Rihanna. Um, but I just want to make an announcement. I got the Wordle word right um, today. I'm very excited about it. It took me six tries. Of course. <laughs> That's um, <laughs> Ryan's side hustle is Wordle. It is. I love it. I mean, I'm obsessed <laughs> with it. And I always, yeah, I, I took a, a brief hiatus because I was getting frustrated and I just broke, came back strong today. Um, but let's Congrats. talk Rihanna. She is expecting her first child with her rapper boyfriend, ASAP Rocky. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Um, the pregnant singer proudly debuted her bare baby bump during an outing in Harlem, uh, which is ASAP Rocky's hometown, over the weekend. The couple was photographed out in New York City over the weekend where Rihanna debuted her baby bump while wearing a long pink jacket. Her oversized outerwear was unbuttoned at the bottom to reveal her growing bump in a gold cross with colorful jewels. Um, in one of the sweet photos, which were snapped in Harlem, were... Um, Basically, it was super cute. They were like, kind of like, you know, ASAP was kissing the soon to be mom on our forehead as they like enjoyed a snowy walk outdoors. Hmm. Um, and if you don't know this, back in May, ASAP Rocky told GQ about his romance with Rihanna, calling her the love of my life. Aww. And when asked what it felt like to be in a relationship, he said, So much better, so much better when you get, when you got the one. She amounts to probably like a million of the other ones. I think when you know, you know, <laughs> she's oh, the one. Oh my God. And so, I mean, 
mean, these rumors have been kind of swirling around. I feel like Rihanna been proudly walking around, no big deal, just covering her bump and not saying anything. And today was the official day. She broke the internet in the best way she knows how. And yes, if you're wondering, we're probably never getting the album, which I'm okay with, you know? She just let her be need. what she wants to do. She She's just has now her uh, company and her new company, her baby. Yeah, and who knows? This might launch Fenty Baby. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm just saying. That is your T-Report. We got more coming up next hour. Stick around. Well, next up, an unhinged rally from the former president paints a potentially dark view for 2024. More with The Washington Post next. If I run and if I win, we will treat those people from January 6th fairly. We will treat them fairly. And if it requires pardons, we will give them pardons because they are being treated so unfairly. Okay, that was former President Trump in Conroe, Texas, Saturday night for his first Texan mega rally since 2019. Now, Tyler Pager joins us, the White House reporter at The Washington Post, to break down what exactly went down. Welcome back to the show. We paged him and he came. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I mean, I feel like we need to all take a breath before this segment because um, uh, this is stressful to hear a lot of the talking points coming out of this. But can you uh, go through some of what we heard and what came out of this? So this rally, in a lot of ways, was similar to many of the rallies we've seen the former president do over the last year. Um, A lot of airing of personal grievances, whether that relates to his investigations into him and his business, um, critiques of, of, of Biden um, and, and his presidency, but a lot of time spent on relitigating the 2020 election and sort of the baseless claims that he's made that it was stolen and rigged. I mean, that's kind of where we got into that January 6th um, remarks where for the first time he dangled potential pardons if he runs and is reelected president um, for those who are charged in connection with that attack. Yeah, I mean, I think once you kind of get so used to the same rhetoric, it's not as shocking anymore, at least for me. But what I am interested in is, would we see the same wave of support that we've seen in the past from other Republican politicians? And what are they saying about this rally? Are they, you know, on board? Are people finally kind of getting, you know, tired of it? I mean, uh, it depends on which Republicans uh, you ask. I think for a lot of Republicans, we're seeing them do that delicate dance they've done for more than five years now as they try to, um, you know, not alienate Trump and the Republican base, which they need uh, in their election, um, but also try to distance themselves from some of the more um, inflammatory comments, particularly, you know, this weekend over the pardons for January 6th. But then there are, are, are Republicans like J.D. Vance, who's running for Senate in Ohio, or Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia, who, uh, in, you know, applauded Trump for, for his comments. Uh, Greene, in her case, did um, over the weekend for her, her comments about the January 6th uh, insurrectionists. Oh, yeah, of course they did. They, they, it's like the only way they get voted in, it seems, is I mean, by doing that. Lindsey Graham also kind of spoke out against his, his thoughts, which I thought was the epitome of shocking because Lindsey Graham is, seems like he's, he's been, you know, really mm-hmm. uh, a fan of Trump's for a while. And now it seems like he's singing a different tune. Yeah, uh, Lindsey Graham is someone that has oscillated between full-throated Trump supporter um, and also at times Trump critic. Um, we saw that uh, on January 6th after the insurrection, um, and then him to kind of oscillate between those those two polars, uh, polls of the party. But I think it just shows 
the the difficulty uh, uh, some Republicans have in maneuvering in mm-hmm. the modern Republican Party, which Trump is the de facto leader of. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Democrats are quick to, if they're progressive, to go against the leader of the party because of the, the integrity for their values and what they believe, whereas Republicans, again, unite around one cause. And they will, um, you know, they, they will, like, I guess, decide to go on one side, even if they might know it's wrong <laughs> to win. Yeah, I think, again, it just this is a challenge that Republicans have as they head into the midterms. They need Trump to rile up the base and turn out the vote. Um, He can energize uh, the core of the Republican Party, unlike anyone else, um, and then sometimes poses a a challenge for them in swing districts trying to get out moderate, uh, you know, more moderate Republicans or independent voters who uh, Republicans need to to make inroads and, and, and flip back. Definitely. Uh, the House Again, you're hearing from Tyler Pager from The Washington Post. I, I want you to comment on this clip uh, because he did bring in Leah Thomas, the Trans University of Pennsylvania swimmer, who um, has created, it seemed, this bigger, un- unfortunate conversation around trans athletes. We will ban men from participating in women's sports. So ridiculous. Did you see the man who was on the swimming team at a certain school that I know very well? The record held for like 11 years. He beat it by 38 seconds. I mean, how how dangerous is a comment like that? And within a, a, a space that we're in in a landscape right now where this is so divisive, unfortunately. Yeah, I think Trump is often very in tune with the... Uh, on some of these issues with where um, the the most extreme parts of, of the Republican Party are. Um, and we've seen many Republican candidates um, laser focused on um, the uh, the intersection of, of, of sports and, and society um, and gender and society. And this is something that, um, you know, comes as no surprise given where the Republican Party and, and many prominent Republican politicians have been on these issues, particularly um, of, of transgender individuals competing in sports. Yeah, and that's what we can expect, again, if he continues to rally in this way, uh, which, you know, after the advances that tr- that President Biden has made, some of them in the administration, it'd be really sad to see us go back. So that was, again, Tyler Page, a White House reporter at The Washington Post. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. Okay, what's coming up next, Ryan? Okay, so uh, an amazing example of LGBTQ plus acceptance in a traditionally Republican area has, I mean, just popped up. But could this possibly happen across the country? We're going to dive in more. Don't go anywhere. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Being from the South, there's nothing more shocking than finding out that there is an LGBTQ-friendly charter school in the heart of a red state. Joining us to tell us more about this school and if there is hope for the future when it comes to seeing other schools pop up like this is Scott Shackford. Uh, he is the associate editor at uh, Reason. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so break down this school because it's really exciting. I'm from Nashville, um, but to know that this school is in the heart of Alabama, of all states, please tell us why this is such a big deal. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I'm I'm from I grew up in Florida and started my career in South Carolina, so so I get it too. Yeah, so uh, just outside of Birmingham. Uh, there's a place now called Magic City Acceptance Academy, which is a public charter school uh, specifically designed to affirm the identities of LGBTQ students. It accepts everybody because it is a public school, uh, but its focus is making sure that LGBTQ students have a place where they can go, uh, and this is for 6th to 12th grade, um, and get the support they need, avoid bullying, and get a traditional education. Uh, yeah, and this is obviously rare there. So, how hard was it for them to launch this? Yeah, so it took them it took them several tries. They've been working on it for a little while. It's connected to a local uh, HIV/AIDS outreach program that had expanded and realized that there was a real need for um, young people in their community to have a place to go. Um, it took four tries before they were able to get approval. First, they went through local school districts, and then eventually they, they went through the state itself and were able to get permission to open. And it just opened its doors uh, last summer with about uh, 232 students. Yeah. 
So, I, I, I mean, the crazy thing right now that's a, a lot of the conversation happening around schools is race theory. I mean, trans youth, the, the books, everything. I, I guess I wonder for a school like this, what's different about this school in terms of what they provide? Yeah, so that's an interesting question that's going to be leading to some conflict down the line as, this, mm. as these fights play out. Charter schools are supposed to be have the same kind of education as a public school. So you're supposed to learn the same subjects. A kid who comes out of a charter school is supposed to learn math and English and science and everything else. But they have a lot of freedom to um, create, be creative with the curriculum, to appeal to its students, and focused on particular areas. So an LGBT school will want to be able to teach history and social studies and all this stuff with an additional LGBT lens yeah. uh, to help these students learn. Now, the issue with some of these, these fights over what schools teach, you would think then that a charter school could be an escape from that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all these, there are proposed bills to stop schools from talking about gay, lesbian, transgender students to, to interfere, you know, with the development of, the, of students in public schools. Charter schools should be a place to get away from that. But the problem is because they're public schools, some of these bills that are being written up include charter schools. So in Alabama, for example, they are considering a a bill. A lawmaker has introduced a bill that would stop public school libraries from carrying books that are primarily about LGBT and sexual issues. It includes charter skills, uh, charter schools in the bill's wording. So if oh, that wow. bill passes, suddenly this LGBT-affirming charter school cannot have books in its library about LGBT issues. Wow. That is, that so is some, uh, what's the show again, where they took away the books, everything, the dystopian show? Um, Handmaid's Tale. That is some crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh, again, though, uh, we are talking to Scott Shackford, associate editor at Reason, about this new LGBT-friendly charter school in Alabama. It's so needed yeah. right now. I guess for me, I with all of that, it felt like this would be a good start where, oh, this is a good sign. We'll possibly start seeing yeah. more schools like this. But really, even with those bills that you just mentioned, it feels like should we really be getting our hopes that high? Well, I mean, school choice is a good idea in general for LG- for families with LGBT kids, for LGBTQ families, because they create alternatives if your public school isn't serving your kids' needs, which is something, again, I, I'm gay. I am a product of public schools. I would have given anything for a school like this to exist when I was a teenager. Exactly. Um, and so what it does, you should st- we should still be working to make public schools a better place and more accepting place for LGBTQ students. But the great thing about things like charter schools and school choice is that it creates alternatives when schools are not living up to those expectations. Wow. Uh, Do you think this is going to be a model we see across the country now? Yeah, there's a few of them. There's, there's, there's about six, a few more. Um, Some of them in major cities like Los Angeles and New York, uh, I, I picked this academy because, first of all, it's new, and of course, for the same reason that you brought it up, it's in Alabama. Right. Uh, but there's a few. There's one in Arizona. There's one in Ohio. So they're, they're slowly, they're slowly gaining steam. 
Um, and it is, I, I hope so. I really do hope that it takes off because it's a great way of specializing education. Um, and for these kids who need very specific assistance sometimes in coming to terms with their identity. Well, we'll most definitely be keeping our eye out. Thank you so much, Scott Shackford, who is the associate, associate editor at Reason. Thank you so much. All right. So what's coming up, Cher? This woman got out of a date in the literal worst way possible. Okay. Aren't the best way. Well, we'll tell you more next. (laughs) Okay. Let's talk about what this woman did to get out of a date. Uh, So let's first play this clip. It's on TikTok. I want to get your thoughts. I went to the toilet, got my friend to send me a fake COVID like positive test, like text. And I changed the names at the NHS. And um, then I went down and I was like, from the toilet, and I was like, oh my God, look, you're not going to believe it. But I've tested positive. And he was like, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, I'm going to have to go home. So I just think this is going too far. You know, and we, we talked about this someone faking to having COVID to go party with their friends, their boss found out. I don't know if they got fired or not, but. Uh, but doing this now for a date, like, I feel like we want people to take COVID seriously, right? It's a public health issue. I mean, we are in a pandemic. But now you're going around lying about it for work and dates. How are we supposed to take it seriously when now we're just, like, using it as a get-out-of-jail-free card? Um. Yeah, I... I understand what you're saying, but I guess to take this as like from a side that is like still serious but not as serious, I feel like oftentimes when you need to get out of like a bad date, maybe this was like the first thing that popped in her brain that was like, this will get me out of here immediately, right? And I think that's, I honestly, I do think it's okay just to like come up with something because it's like, she, what it, I think it's also a safety thing in the sense of like, girl, if you tell this person this, they are the worst thing, you're not feeling them, what if that guy flips out? Okay, Uh, wait, of course if you're not in a safe position, do whatever you can. I'm just saying. Kick that person in the, anybody can react in any way and like, when you're just trying to get out of something, not saying that this was the right thing. I'm just saying, but when you get trying to get out of something uncomfortable, you're willing to just like lie and get out of it really quickly. You're, yeah, what are you going to say, producer? Well, Justin? no, so I was going to say, like, what are you going to say to the person that's sitting next to this couple at the exactly. table? And, and he overhears, oh, uh, this person's COVID positive. I may have to go isolate. I may have to, you know, yeah, it's my, a domino trip, effect of your actions. When you're already out there, <laughs> and you're at that restaurant, you're already taking a chance that you're going to be around someone a that chance, has A chance, but that positive. doesn't mean you're going to be COVID positive. Right. That, that and then girl, you're freaking everyone out for no reason? I mean, I get it. Like I said, I don't think it was her best decision. Here's but the thing. I also understand why she wanted to get out of that Here, date. Here's the thing. It is an, she did what she I think it is an insult to people who but if one, no. have gotten it and like have people in their lives who have died, and now you're just using it as an excuse. I don't think like, it's, it's like serious. It's like using... Um, this is now an extreme too, but like saying can't like oh I just got diagnosed it's like cancer. Or no something. one's doing that though. I think that's a, no that's people a do intense. it. That is a sociopathic thing to do no to blink to fake an illness. No one's doing that. people fake illnesses Name all the time. Three now this is who have done that. you know I'm just saying people fake crazy say crazy stuff to get out of things. But and I don't think we should normalize. This. I don't think we should. Here's the thing. I agree with you. I don't think we should normalize it either. But I also don't think it take. I don't think it's as serious like it's the end of the world here's as the you're thing. like having a meltdown if over there. You I, I had, think it's just like this is like a hilarious moment where she, clearly uh, this wasn't her best like hot take or her best moment you know she's not gonna put put this on the the big screen and go to ellen about it but you know i do think when when it comes to just trying to get out of an awkward awful date girl what else can you do 
I all right. So I think that once again, if you had had a family member or friend who was seriously ill, I did. I had a family member die from COVID. Okay, so I would think that it may be different strokes for different folks. That this is insulting for someone to use something that's hurt a lot of people and killed many people and make a kind of like. But you also oh, have I'm to be take honest. This. There have been people, including yourself, who have like kind of used rhetoric as the, it's just the flu. I don't think people are. I didn't say I said it. I had the way I, I felt was no, like I was trying to explain I'm, I'm how just, I felt. I'm just saying there I didn't have been say a, it was a flu. I'm just saying there's been a lot of people just to debunk that rhetoric. As like, oh, this is just a flu type of thing, which allows people to not take it as seriously as you're, That's as a whole, you're talking right, about. We can talk about and that so whole I thing. I think when, but... you're, when you're making like a TikTok video and you're making a joke about getting out of a horrible date, like I said, this was I'm... not her best decision. But when she did it, it's kind of like, all right, girl, like maybe you could have done something else, but it's it's kind of hilarious. You could do you better. And I hope that you just learn to have honest conversations. If you don't like someone, you feel comfortable. Tell them. She's a woman. Tell them. A young woman telling somebody that it's an awful day. That guy could have found her and killed her. Or put an Apple Air tag on her. We just talked about that and stalked her. So please. Maybe he'd still do that. Maybe he's like, he now feels bad. And he's like, let me know if I could bring you some food and all that. This this could be the date that continues even with this excuse. Anyway, let us know what you think. <laughs> At LGT Show is where you can find us on social media. Oh, next up, speaking of COVID, has Joe Rogan apologized about his controversial COVID statement? His latest to bring some peace to Spotify, potentially. That's next. Hey! Okay, we are back. More show coming up and, of course, more music here on Channel Q. Wait, producer Justin, can you tell us the significance of this moment right now? Well, this is a song called Ram It. It's from the 80s. It was done by the L.A. Rams, who are now heading to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 56. <laughs> there you go. We got our sports hot take Wait, with producer so Justin, did they? No yesterday was NFL yep. Sunday, you know, football Sunday. NFC Championship, yes. Literally don't even know what that means. I just know the big party's happening next weekend, right? Uh, two weeks from now, uh, they... Uh, uh, face off in Super Bowl 56 against the Cincinnati Bengals. All right. At SoFi uh, Stadium. Which, so that's happening. It's LA is p- playing in LA. For the Super Bowl. That's yep. amazing. Which is hilarious because I feel like when I heard, I was watching the news and they were talking about this and they said the Bengals and I was like, oh, like a cute accessory that goes around your arm? And then I realized <laughs> they were talking about like sports. I mean, to be fair, the Cincinnati Bengals have essentially been the unused accessory for the NFL for the past, you know, 30 years. So <laughs> it's fine. I don't know what that means, but it felt like there was a ding. Well, thank you. You know, this is what we need now that, that there's if there's any more mainstream sports updates. I'm relying on you, Justin. Yeah, I to mean, bring we, that. We, we can do a whole sports segment. I, I don't know how popular think, that'll be on the LGBTQ I think it would be. Station. I think it would be very popular. There's a lot of queer yeah. people that watch sports. Um, Jim Barr. I, yeah. I think it's like a um, it's a, a sports hot take with producer Justin. I think there that's what we we do it. So whenever you know. Big things in sports happen, I guess, like the Super Bowl, which I want to figure out something. Should you be going out of town or should you be staying in town when the Super Bowl is happening? Because I can't imagine how claustrophobic and the traffic is going to be. It's going to be disgusting here. That is a good point. When is the Super Bowl again? February 13th. Yeah. Two Sundays from It's going to be bad. I might end up trying to get out of town. For Why don't you try to rent house. out your place and get someone to pay a lot of money for it? I don't want to Isn't that like other places? Like whenever I'm in another city for Super Bowl, 
people rent out everywhere, yeah. right? And you can make a ton of money off that. I just don't want people in my house. Like, that's just so weird. I, I could never do it, but I want to stay in their $5, $5,000 for the weekend. $5,000 worth. That would be highway <laughs> robbery. Well, that's like literally renting out a trash can you, you, and being like, here's five You say that's extravagant, but the tickets right now, the cheapest are going to 6000 The most expensive is a box for $100,000. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll create an NFT and just sell it a, a special NFL NFT. Look at that uh, innovating! Don't tell the NFL that. I don't even know right? What, yeah, you might get sued. To be honest, I don't even know what that sentence means. But you, it sounded like you knew what you're talking about. That's all that counts. Okay, we have lots coming up. Uh, we have our favorite Dr. Alfie joining us uh, to talk about a not such a happy story. Um, yeah. We've had so many death by suicide come up recently, including the latest uh, uh, Miss USA, uh, who unfortunately uh, died by suicide over the weekend. We're going to talk more about how to navigate these conversations and be there for each other Mm -hmm. during this time. I agree. Uh, Let's get into some what's trending this hour quickly, even though we're basically almost out. Um, So Michael Phelps, of course, he recently talked about trans athletes on CNN, and now his ex is speaking out about this statement. This is, these are actually the original comments that he made. Yes. Clip we have. I mean, look, like I, I'll say, you know, I, I can talk from a standpoint of, of doping. Um, you know, I, I don't think I've competed in a clean field in my entire career. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think this leads back to the organizing committees again, um, because it has to be a level playing field. I think that's something that, that we all need um, because it's it, like that's what sports are. Okay, so his uh, ex-girlfriend, Taylor Leanne Chandler, uh, spoke out saying this in an interview. He doesn't fully understand the science advantages or disadvantages in radar. She also added he's a hypocrite for saying it should be a level playing field, uh, considering that there was never really a level playing field for his competitors due to the genetic advantages he had. Uh, So that was just a hot take that she has come out with once these statements are now out. Anyway, so that was so much trending this hour. More coming out in the next hour right here on Let's Go There. But right now, let's get into Joe Rogan, unfortunately. Yeah, Joe Rogan um, is speaking out after all this, you know, controversy that's been happening with Spotify and his podcast. He's vowed to do better in the wake of criticism um, about his podcast in spreading the COVID misinformation and says he knows how to make things better and, and more responsible. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. He broke his silence uh, after Neil Young and others yanked their music off of Spotify in protest. Here is what he had to say. I'm just a person who sits down and talks to people and has conversations with them. Do I get things wrong? Absolutely, I get things wrong. But I try to correct them. Whenever I get something wrong, I try to correct it because I'm interested in telling the truth. I'm interested in finding out what the truth is. And I'm interested in having interesting conversations with people that have differing opinions. Um, I'm not interested in only talking to people that uh, have one perspective. That's one of the reasons why I had Sanjay Gupta on, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, who I respect very much, and I really enjoyed our conversation together. So Rogan said he is down with Spotify's disclaimer when guests go against prevailing science. Um, a disclaimer urging folks to talk to their physicians. Uh, the disclaimer will also note the views discussed are contrary to those of experts. And so um, Spotify is trying to do something. It's a little too late, it seems like. 
Um, but, I, I mean, we're here now. And if you want to check out the full response from Joe Rogan, head over to WeAreChannelQ.com. I got more to report coming up next hour. Okay. Uh, Texas Senator Ted Cruz is calling out Biden's promise to nominate the first black woman to the Supreme Court. What do you have to say on his latest podcast next? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Okay, Texas Senator Ted Cruz is at it again in the he- headlines, calling President Joe Biden's commitment to nominate the first black woman to the Supreme Court offensive and saying that it's basically telling other Americans you are ineligible. Okay, so he uh, said this on a podcast, Verdict with Ted Cruz, that was released on Sunday. Here's a clip. So that's offensive. Right. You know, you right. know black women are what, 6% of the U.S. population? <laughs> He's saying to 94% of Americans, I don't give a damn about you. You are ineligible. And he's also saying it's actually an insult to black women. If, if he came and said, I'm going to put the best jurist on the court, and, and he looked at a number of people and he ended up nominating a black woman, he, he could credibly say, okay, I'm nominating the person who's most qualified. He's not right. even pretending to say that. He, he's saying, if you're a white guy, tough luck. If you're a white woman, tough luck. You don't qualify. If you're Merrick Garland, All right. How much does it suck to be Merrick Garland? (laughs) Okay, so, of course, uh, lots to say about this clip. I mean, a lot to say also how much more to say about this clip, because this isn't surprising coming out of uh, Cruz's mouth. And this is a Republican talking point, right? Just because you're opening a path for a certain group of people, that means you're alienating everyone else. Yeah, I mean, this talking point that Republicans try to come up with, it really just uh, ignores the facts of of the 113 Supreme Court justices in, in U.S. history. All but six have been white men. And the idea of, you know, kind of I, we've heard nothing but Republicans just relaying and making this moment as affirmative action. What Ted Cruz just said that in the, in that clip was so offensive. Even this idea of like trying to flip it as into our uh, reverse racism and also trying to flip it in, in this moment of, oh, well, that's offensive to black women. No, what you're saying is actually offensive to black women to have an intersexual um, experience to come up to the table to be able to provide something. It's like with the numbers alone that I just mentioned of saying out of 113 Supreme Court justices in all of U.S. history, all of them have been white men. That's an issue. That's a problem. And so the fact that they want to do something different, Joe Biden wants to do something different and create, you know, a, a Supreme Court that actually looks like this country. It's one of those things where I, I don't think it's enough for um, Republicans to just 
make this as simple as an affirmative action thing or say, oh, well, you know, this is really actually offensive to black women. Like, no, it, it's about time. And you're saying that there's no qualified black women when there are tons of qualified so, black women that are able to do this. Yeah, and even if, so he says, uh, you know, in, in 2019, black women represented 7% of the U.S. population. Um, there are references to this when Republicans also say this. Well, there's actually Supreme Court justices, chief justices, right? There's been um, 17 since 1789. Uh, that's not including there are other justices below and all that. Well, if you look at 6% of 17... That's at least one. That's like over one. So that means, okay, so let's just go by the percentages of population. Where's our one even? Where's the one over time? And if not now, when? So speaking of this whole reverse racism thing, here is Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Well, first we'd say that the fact that no black woman has been nominated shows a deficiency of the past selection processes, not a lack of qualified candidates to be nominated to the Supreme Court. I'd also note, I've heard that some conservatives may be fans of President Reagan, uh, and when he, former President Reagan, uh, and when he nominated Sandra Day O'Connor, he said, quote, Judge O'Connor's confirmation symbolizes the richness of opportunity that still abides in America, opportunity that permits persons of any sex, age, or any race from every section and every walk of life to aspire and achieve in a manner never before even dreamed about in human history. I think the conversation we really should be having is making sure if they want to nominate a black woman, that's great. But like, let's make sure, you know, she is the right person in the in the sense of like her her politics and what she stands for. Because as we've all seen, you know, Republicans would be so happy if it was like a Candace Owens being nominated, and that was like someone that aligns with their what well, they. Well, Biden's stood not going to do that. Um, I know that, but I'm even saying even with Biden's idea of yes. like who's the perfect like kind of black woman to fill these seats, it still has she still has to be aligned with like what community would want and then also like what she stands for because just because she's a black woman doesn't mean she supports all the things that a community black folks need, right? Our community's not a monolith. And so you have to make sure she even then is on the right side of history. And I think that is how we we should be navigating a conversation when it comes to just finding the right person. And I'm yes, I'm happy that you know we're doing something where it's going to make history and we'll be able to see that representation um but just you know dumbing it down to affirmative action is just problematic and and honestly racist do you think he should have instead saying like i we want to make sure that there is a like diversity on this that it's not going to be like every other choice made in history no i should have said that or you think he specifically i'm happy he said black woman because it's about time and there's no reason to sugarcoat anything. There For what? Go. For white comfortability? I don't I don't think that's okay. Well, let's move on because uh, we're talking about a very another very important subject coming up next. Yes, uh, with all of the influx, unfortunately, of of suicides that have been going on, uh, and of course the latest news of a former Miss USA who has died by suicide, how do we navigate uh, this and support others in our life? Well, Dr. Alfie um, is joining us to have this conversation. You know, with what seems like an influx of suicides happening this year, I mean, literally at the start of 2022, how should we be navigating the fallout and understanding these mental health challenges while in the midst of an ongoing pandemic? Well, of course, we had to hit up our favorite mental health correspondent and founder of The Acoma Project. Dr. Alfie, thank you so much for joining us. Of course, always. 
Yeah, Dr. Alfie, you know, it just feels like, um, if I'm being honest, there's such a sense of, like, we're starting off this year, and there's already this heaviness from, I mean, Regina King's son to now the former Miss USA. It it just feels like, how are we supposed to navigate, you know, this this type of news that is just hitting us all while, you know, we're having these ongoing conversation about mental health, but then also like living through a pandemic and it just feels like, what are we all doing right now? I know it does feel like it. It's, it's been, I have to be honest, it's been really heavy on me too. And my friend, I have a friend Vaughn who works for MTV and, and she mm. was one of the first people to reach out to me and say, I hope you're taking care of yourself. And I hope Vaughn knows how much that meant to me because it just happened about an hour ago because we don't do that for each other all the time. And so I think for people like you who are always reporting the news, you always know what's going on. A lot of this stuff is super heavy. Um, you know, I just want to say to you, and I hope that what everyone hears is one thing we have to do for each other is we really have to genuinely and with intent and with love and with care, check on people. I also yeah. want to uplift um, the mayor of Hyattsville, Maryland, in the D.C. area where I'm located, um, who died by suicide. His, oh, I want to uplift yeah. his family um, wow. from earlier this week. Oh, my God, Alfie, Shira, I'm like crying here in studio just because it's true. I think that, you know, um, one, I love you and it's so great to have you here. But it's sad. Yeah. It's like really it's a, <laughs> I'm it's like, a girl, it's 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 really breaks my heart to see all these yeah. young people um, taking their lives. And I guess, like, how can we be there and support each other the, during this time? I mean, in the end, mental health challenges are mental health challenges. Like, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But how are we supposed to continue having these conversations and feeling like we're, we can actually be there to support each other? Absolutely. So one of the things I think is, you know, Ryan and I have talked about this before. Yeah. We have to, and you and I have two here. And you know, I adore y'all. So <laughs> anything I can do for you, I want to be able to do it. And one thing that we can do is start by taking care of ourselves. So like, Sherry, yeah. you're just so open and honest, and Ryan is as well, about your feelings. And I think what we have to do is start there. It sounds cliche. It sounds, I don't know, it doesn't sound like we can help other people if we're starting with a focus on self. But you do have to start there. Because yeah. if you don't know how you're feeling, you can't show up for other people. And then I think once we're kind of clear about where we are, then we have a gauge for how much can I take you know, of carry of someone else's pain. And then if I know I can carry a little bit of someone else's load, then I'm prepared to go help carry it. But it's this idea of we can't care for other people if we don't take care of ourselves first. And it may yeah. sound selfish. It's not selfish. It's That's the best way we can show up for other people is by showing up for ourselves first. And we're uh, speaking with Dr. Alfie, who is a mental health correspondent and the founder of the uh, Coma Project. And I think the conversations that I was having with uh, with some friends when the, this news, the latest news dropped about the, mm-hmm. the former Miss U- uh, USA, it's, mm-hmm. it's so interesting when you look at people and they have everything that society says mm-hmm. is supposed to be they're perfect, mm-hmm. right? It's, you, mm-hmm. you know, when they have the fame, they have the success, they have the body type, they have the carol pattern. They, mm-hmm. You know, when you when you're looking mm-hmm. at this from an intersectional pers- perspective, you're like, well, why do why 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 are they doing? Why did they do this? Why why are we at this place? And I, I wonder what you have to say to people who are thinking that same thing and trying mm-hmm. to still find the hope when even the people who are deemed what society says are the ones still going through the same things that even regular people are feeling every single day. 
That's right. So at the end of the day, as cliche as it sounds, we are all human, and we yeah. don't know what other people's struggles are. So for everything that you shared, Ryan, about the body type, the curl pattern, come on now, we black, so we know what's up with curl <laughs> Right? We already know. With, like, the skin tone and all of that, yeah. what we don't see is the other side of that. She was multiracial. So for all we know, mm -hmm. there might have been struggles around. I've heard many multiracial people say, well, where do I fit? Because this group won't accept me. That mm -hmm. group won't accept me. Do you know what I mean? And so yeah. when I'm with this group, I'm too black. When I'm with this group, I'm too white. And so we don't know what people's struggles are. So I just tell people, always be compassionate. Like, if you don't have anything nice to say, close your mouth. And I think if we can just kind of follow those kindergarten rules, that can really be helpful. And the other thing is, I think the more that we can focus on, I guess, kind of paying attention to what our own needs are and paying attention to ourselves and, and focus less on the image that people put out there. Of course, you're going to pay attention, right? We all saw about Rihanna and ASAP Rocky, which I think is amazing. But I think you, like, enjoy it, and then you have to kind of – keep it moving, like you wish them well and you keep going with your life. But what some of us do is get stuck in like that, that worship, like that celebrity worship. Yeah. And that's not good for us. And it's not good for them either because their lives aren't beautiful, crystal clear, perfect, wonderful 24 seven either. Yeah. I guess like, you know, being in the mental health space, what are mental health professionals saying right now um, with all this news coming out? Yeah. It just yes. seems like so, a lot. It is a lot. So a couple things. What I hear a lot, because most of the people who I'm really close to and who I know really well, they're all about that intersectional lens. And mm -hmm. so, like, literally, if you're on anything associated with my Twitter, the whole conversation has been about how, like, all the people that you've named, you named two. I know the other one that I named, um, Brother Kevin Gray, here in Highsville in the Maryland area, D.C. area. They're all black. And so they're, or in, you know, Miss USA's case, multiracial black. So yeah. there's all this conversation around what is happening in communities of color specifically, right? So I have another colleague who's Latina who said the same week that Ian Alexander, you know, left us and went away from us, they had a rash of uh, suicides happen in her community. Oh, wow. And so that's what I'm hearing. It's like, why aren't we up in arms that there, there are all these people of diverse backgrounds who are dying by suicide? Why aren't we doing anything about it? And what is happening that is allowing people to feel so stuck that the only way they know to alleviate pain is to just not be here anymore. Like where's the out, you know, the, the, the outcry and where's the uproar and, and what are we going to do to help people? So that's a lot of what I'm hearing. Well, Dr. Alfie, we really appreciate you for being here always and, and navigating us through these really difficult conversations, but necessary conversations. Yeah. So thank you so much My for pleasure. being here. Of course. Love you all. Bye-bye. All right. Dr. Alfie is a mental health correspondent and founder of The Acoma Project. And, of course, we wanted to end this to, if anyone needs any resources, please, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 800-273-8255. That's 800-273-8255. So, a new study published in the Journal of Social, Psychological, and Personality Science found that Women are still faking orgasms to make their, quote, fragile male partners feel more like macho men. So this is, uh, a, I would say, a generality or cliche that a lot of people say that women fake their orgasms. But this actually proves it that a lot of women do. I know. I don't think it's a cliche. I think it's like an actual thing that happens because there's a uncomfortableness about being honest with your partner uh, and also, you know, I, I don't think 
society allows women, patriarchy doesn't allow women to feel like have ownership of the yeah. fact that they're sexual beings and, mm-hmm. and want to like own their body and tell their partner what they want. Or, yeah, a lot of women don't even know what they want, right? They're not doing things to learn, you know, um, pre without a partner so on this, their own. This study is really like a big duh. <laughs> Like, yeah. that's how I feel. Like it's it's interesting to me because I've heard of this. Like you know, there's a lot of jokes about women faking orgasms, and then I talk to my partner sometimes. I'm like, how would you know? Like, have you been around, or would you know if someone faked it? Because that's the thing. It's not. It's different than someone with other parts where you can. It's obvious when there's been a happening. No, men men can and can fake their own orgasms too. How? Is that is that common? You just make is that a common noise unless you're no, sick. Like, are you, you watching yeah, them? Yeah, I do. Like, sometimes yes, people I do. don't. Like, and, well, like no, there's see, guys that will literally act like they oh, do yeah. it. Oh, yeah, so that, in don't. that case, that's true. But a lot of times, I think, uh, well, my experience is that I could see what's going on. And for also, uh, you know, uh, people with... Uh, vaginal parts uh, you could sometimes see what's going on but a lot of times you could fake it through different noises or movements of the body right so but i've always wondered like could someone tell and also like why go through that effort like either take the steps to figure it out yourself if you're in that situation but yeah once again if you don't know how to do that you might not know otherwise and you might just be watching what's that movie with um with uh, with Meg Ryan, where she takes the orgasm. When Harry met Sally. When Harry met Sally. Maybe you've just watched that movie and you're like, this is how it's done. And I'm going to do this in every single uh, moment with uh, my partner. But I, I think that a study like this, it is a dumb moment. It's also kind of sad. And I think hopefully it's a reminder to not prioritize your satisfaction and learn about what you want if you're going to be with someone. Yeah, I don't think it's, um, I mean, just based off of what you just said about, like, even making your, your, like, finding a way to do it yourself, I think it's, like, oh, your its own version of faking your orgasm. Because, yeah, you're still getting to your orgasm, but the fact that you are not able to communicate with your partner about this, you're not doing something that makes me feel good. I have to put more of an effort to do it is like inherently the whole entire issue with like this conversation is this, this this idea of like, because you're too afraid to like tell um, this man or your partner, you know, that what they're doing isn't right. And to make them feel, you know, it would make them feel fragile in some sort or you're protecting their ego. It's like, screw that. It's like both parties should be able to say in the moment, at the moment, this is not okay. That, and we got to do that'd something. That'd be ideal. To out, right? What is this? I really want Round of applause for him. Oh, I thought you were playing uh, When Harry Met Sally, the clip, but I don't know if that's legal to play that on the radio. Well, I was going to just say, you know, if you, in case you have any, you know, tips, you always go with this. I'll have what she's having. Well, well, thanks for hanging out with us on this Monday here on Channel Q. More music coming up right now. We've got more show, including the Ultimate Drag Race recap this hour with our favorite Tony Morse. Stick around for that in 15 minutes. But right now, let's get into uh, some what's trending this hour. Trixie Mattel is responding to accusations that Kylie Jenner Jenner copied her lip gloss. The question is, did she? I mean, I feel like Kylie Jenner has been accused of doing this in the past, right? Yeah, she has. She has. But also, sometimes I don't know if things are just a joke because Trixie is a clown. 
in the best way. Oh, you know? Kylie Jenner dropped a sneak peek image for her new Valentine's lip gloss on social media last week, and Trixie Mattel fans weren't exactly ha- happy about this. Uh, the lip gloss, which is part of this new collection, it features a bunch of different lip glosses and lashes and blushes and all that type of stuff. But it's quite similar to Mattel's line, which the Drag Race All-Stars 3 winner launched in 2019. And a bunch of Twitter users were quick to point that out. They said, uh, these were such a cute idea. And then another person said, especially when Trixie Cosmetics launched them. So the question is, is it going to really matter? I mean, it is very similar when you compare the lipsticks. I mean, I'm looking at it. It's just the, but also it's like, it's a Valentine's Day thing. Like it's a, it's. Of I know. Course, it's so like of what else? It's going to be around hearts. Like Trixie doesn't own the Did idea of putting a copyright heart. Copyright the thing. heart. Yeah. I agree. Um. But I, you know, it. It's not. It's. I mean, it's actual fact that the fact that a lot of like, you know, queens and a pop culture like pop stars have like taken. Uh, uh, inspiration from queens but it also just comes out as like oh no you're actually copying them and that's when you really think about like drag queens actually you know can inform pop culture and the culture that we see along with other factors but uh, for the most part yeah I mean this it looks very it looks wildly similar for sure but also like their heart it's our it's our Valentine's Day collection it's kind of like duh but then meanwhile Trixie hasn't said anything. She's posted a response on Twitter with the caption, breaking my silence and addressing the, uh, the situation. It featured her applying lip gloss in front of an image of Kylie's new line and then appearing to be shocked. Um, and that it was included with the X-Files being played in the background. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, you know, Trixie's hilarious, of course. She's always going to kind of come up with a joke about things. Um, but, I mean, it's a possibility. Kylie has been called out for for for, you know, copying things or the creative director who's attached to it copying. So it it could happen. It really is a possibility for sure. And finally, the New York Times has acquired your favorite game, Ryan, Wordle, uh, that gives players six chances to guess a five-letter word daily. This was really quick. Uh, They announced the purchase of the game today. They're adding the puzzle to their portfolio of word games such as the crossword, the mini, and spelling bee. I didn't even know they had that many games. As of uh, December 2021, the New York Times has over 1 million games subscriptions. So this is a pretty big part of their business model. Uh, Josh Wardle, who's a Brooklyn-based software engineer, formerly at Reddit, released the game in October 2021. It quickly became a cultural phenomenon. Millions of people now play Wordle every day, according to the Times. So good on them for jumping in and acquiring that. Honestly, actually, I hate it. I think the game was so innocent and nice, and it sh- sometimes companies should realize that let's just let things be the way they are, and I mean, it will be, it, it's not going to take them long to put this behind a paywall, which sucks, oh. because there's a, there's just like a nice, like there was just a regular niceness to this, because this the way this person created this game was based, it was for their partner, because they wanted to kind of give their partner something stimulating, like, Aww. to do, and they actually did it for that, and it kind of just kind of caught fire. And so when big companies try to acquire things, it's just like, oh, it's going to turn into a whole other thing that is not, it's a nice thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. now that guy could do a lot of nice things for their partner, including buy them lots of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Uh, Yo, Sean Penn. Oh, my God. He is doubling down on his defense of traditional gender roles. It is time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So in two separate interviews this month, the two-time Academy Award winner and ex- of Madonna made co- uh, comments bemoaning his perception that men are becoming more feminine. He basically said this, I am in the club that believes that men in American culture have become widely feminized. Um, 
Yeah, I, I can't believe he said this. Um, he's also said, I don't think that being a brute um, or having insensitivity or disrespect for women is anything to do with masculinity or ever did. But I don't think that I'm uh, that in order to be fair to women, we should become them. And another interview he did with The Independent this week, he dug his heels into the polarizing opinion, going even further in his critique of men who challenge gender norms, saying there are a lot of, I think, cowardly genes that lead to people surrendering their genes putting, and putting on a skirt. Um, furthermore, he noted that the women in his life don't seem bothered by the patriarchy. My mm. thing is, if you don't know, Sean Penn played the iconic Harvey Milk. And this is exactly why straight people should not be playing queer characters. Because if you don't understand breaking traditional gender roles, then maybe you shouldn't be taking roles where you play a, a historical queer figure who actually went against all of these things to create us having the ability to break down these gender roles. And so it's very disappointing to see this, but I mean, he is promoting his new film called Flag Day, which sounds like a Republican, like horny mm. porn. And so who knows? I am quite disappointed and we really should have bigger conversations about this is exactly a great example on why straight folks probably shouldn't play queer characters because they really don't understand the complexity of queerness and what that really means. So that's your team report. Got more coming up next hour. So say that's why. There's a joke about him getting an like it's an award-winning role because it, he was playing something that's so not him. But yes, exact. I totally agree with you. Well, we are moving on to Drag Race. Mm-hmm. All things Drag Race. The ultimate recap next with our favorite pop culture expert. Stick around. All right, it is time. Another week, another RuPaul's Drag Race episode Woo-hoo. out. And honey, I'm ready for this recap. Are you? Are we ready? Spoiler alert! No, hell no! I, I don't play with spoiler alerts. If you have not seen the episode by now, that is your problem. So much is on the internet already. It is not my business, but um, I know whose business it is. Is it's uh, Tony Moore, our pop culture and drag race expert. Hi, Tony. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey y'all, how you doing? And listen, it is Monday. If you have not watched the episode, that is on you. Yeah, I don't. I don't play them uh, spoiler alerts games. I don't care about that. Um, but okay. here's the thing: this episode was full of the tea and the drama. I mean, honestly, it really feels like this uh, episode. It's the night of a thousand JLo's. Mm. It really mm-hmm. uh, opened up the doors for us to see the the queens in a, a very uh, interesting spot where some of the the some of them aren't getting along. And here is an example of course. Bread and Jasmine Kennedy getting into it a little bit. Pause. Two yeah. seconds. Sis, if you're right, that means you're not paying attention no, to I'm, what the group is talking about. So just me. hold your pen for a second and then jump in with us. You got 10 questions already? No, I'm writing every, what everybody's saying. Yeah, no, just so I can. Just put the pad down, okay. baby. Join in. You're good. Cool. Okay. I think Cornbread comes into this moment and just being pissed at literally anything Jasmine is doing. You're like, stop breathing over there. I see you blinking and it's taking up a lot of room. <laughs> Tony, what did yes. you think about this? I mean, last week, Cornbread was someone that we saw have such a beautiful, sweet moment with uh, Queen Willow Pill. And then we mm-hmm. kind of saw, you know, a queen get under her skin in a way. And it, in all honesty, for me, it felt... Very interesting to see Cornbread in this situation. What were your thoughts? What was some of the conversation happening online? See, I feel like what Cornbread was just trying to do 
initially is say, baby girl, if you're going to be a part of the conversation, then be a part of the conversation and not make it about you. Because yeah. you have, you know, other queens in here who want to join in with you to discuss what happened. It's not for you to take over the, the, the topic and conversation and just make it all about you. But on the flip side, when she was like, baby, put your pen down, I was like, okay, maybe that's going being a little too nitpicky. You know what I mean? Like some people process things completely different. I think Jasmine was just trying to take notes so that way she can go back and, you know, really give her thoughts and opinions about it. So that part, I feel like Cornbread could have left alone. But sometimes you got to shut some girls up because it's like, baby, it's not all about you. Like some of us got to get in this conversation too. Yeah. And that was a really interesting thing um, because for me, I I also kind of consider myself a little drag race, you know, girl. I follow a lot of the queens I watch a lot of their conversations and some of them were talking about how when you are filming a television show, especially in the morning when this is kind of happening, sometimes Mm -hmm. the girls aren't talking a lot. And Mm -hmm. so there is that one person who's kind of trying to fill up space and like actually talk because you got to remember they're filming. And so I understand calling someone out because maybe they need to just kind of get that little reality check. And I appreciated that. But when it started Mm -hmm. to go into the nitpickiness of it all and it just felt like everything she was doing, I was like, oh no, corn bread this is not okay and you know how a lot of the drag race fans kind of weaponize especially like fat you know queens of color and Mm -hmm. you know the label the the words bully or the labels you know you know um aggressive start to kind of come out and it was just like oh no i don't want that to happen to cornbread i really really love her me too and i and i don't think it'll happen but i just think that it's now like, it's like, all right, you've already addressed the issue. Just be careful. But you also have to know that when these girls go into drag race, they've already talked to other drag racers. Mm-hmm. So they've been kind of coached a little bit to be like, okay, girl, during this, this is your moment. Mm-hmm. And so I think Jasmine might have thought, okay, here's my moment. And it's like, uh-uh, no, girl, this, this ain't the moment. This is a conversation. Remember, it's still a show. How is uh, this season different, like, compared to other seasons? Are you feeling like <laughs> it's up to par? You know what? I actually think this cast is one of the most like talented hmm. um, because you know in the act they they did an acting challenge on Friday and I don't know how y'all feel but whenever the acting ca- challenges come I I feel a little cringy because I'm like <laughs> if these girls did not go take an improv class or go find that one actor it's friend true. that they know and like go over some scripts or something mm-hmm. then this is going to be a mess but they all actually really did good and so for me I'm like okay these girls are really bringing it and they're not only showcasing themselves but they are, you know, at this point, really great TV and very talented queens. So I'm, yeah. I'm living for them. Okay, Tony, because we're wrapping up here. But who are mm-hmm. your tops right now? And also, who are your bottoms? Oh, okay. So Cornbread is definitely up at the top. Um, I, I also, mean, she would be at the top of my list if she switched her wigs. But that's another thing. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> Also, um, oh my gosh, I feel like the girls now, because um, I'm still learning names. Um, Angeria, <laughs> yes, um, from Atlanta, iconic. She she's up there too. Um, you know, I don't have bottoms just yet. Mm-hmm. It's um, too early to call, I, huh? I, yeah. Well, I feel like. I feel like there are some queens that I'm like, ooh, I'm going to give y'all one more week, and if y'all don't get it together, then I'm definitely going to have to put you in the bottom. 
Um, but right now, I'm like, okay, these two are the are the top two for sure. Well, the good thing about Drag Race seasons, especially like the original like format and the original series, uh, it, they are they're on for half the year. It feels like it's so. The, I think a lot of these queens will literally really get to we'll get to see you know them kind of flush like flesh out and see more of their personalities. The episodes come, you know, and go. And and honestly, I can't wait to have you on every single Monday to talk about it moving forward. Thank you so much for joining yes. us. Tony. Thank you. I appreciate it. And next week, it'll be another recap. I'm here for it. All right. Okay. What is coming up next? Okay, well, should we put a limit on how many kids you should have? What Nick Cannon had to say about this and his latest announcement next. Uh, so we wanted to talk about if there should be a limit on how many children you can have because Nick Cannon is just making history here, it seems. The Wild and Out host and also talk show host. You know, he has this big What would we be having this conversation if it was like one of those big like TLC families? Well, until he is like one of those TLC families, which it seems like he already is, uh, I guess people will continue making fun of it. By the way, we shouldn't make fun of it. Like, life is beautiful. Congrats to everyone. If you have a baby or having more kids, great. If you can afford it, Amazing. Be present no, for we are babies. Way too overpopulated for but, more children. <laughs> um, like, relax. Anyway, here's his latest announcement because even though after say he was gonna be celibate in October, it seems like that didn't last very long. Me and uh Bree, the next mother <laughs> uh, of our child it's a boy we found out officially yesterday. Okay, that's I don't it. know how there's so much <laughs> excitement in his voice. I, my thing is, no. the only thing that I think about is like in the sense of like how he's spreading his time with you know work so and then spreading also spending what? time with oh, okay. his kids, right? And like, yep. I I only think about that in the sense of like once you start creating this kind of cheaper by the dozen family, if you're not living with them or seeing them every day and they're spread across the world, who's getting like left out of like oh, totally. quality time with your, like with their father or their parent or however Nick Cannon wants to parent. And so that's my only thing that comes up for this. Like it, it seems like Nick Cannon is living a certain lifestyle that works for him. And obviously it works for the women who know because it's a public thing that what he does he has several different mothers are women that he slept with and had kids with including Mariah Carey but Mariah Carey is just like girl I don't care if you in my life or not I can I can do this by myself which period sis um but I I do think it um it's really interesting I would love to if I was to talk to him being like so how are you spreading your time to like see everyone mm-hmm. and make sure that like you know especially once they get old enough to be in like extracurricular activities how are you going to go to their shows how are you going to go to their you know baseball games how are you going to do all of these things when there's so many of them and there's only one of you that totally makes sense. I mean, that's the thing. We could all laugh about this. We could think it's, oh, it's funny. We're making fun of Nick. But, like, there is a reality to this when you do have a bunch of kids. And then you're also yeah. pawning them off. Not pawning, but, like, who needs to take care of them? <laughs> Not pawning Well, them no, off. but who needs? In the end, I it's mean, the mom. It's the mother, And then yeah. all of that is on the moms. They're basically single moms. Well, that's And that's the thing that I'm, like... I know Nick Cannon has a plethora of jobs. Like, he keeps a job. Like, he always got income coming in. I don't think that's really going to ever be an issue, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I think he wouldn't. Hopefully, he's smart enough to not be having, you know, unprotected sex and, you know, shooting up the club, as some people would call it. Seems like he is, Um, though. But Um, if he doesn't think that he he can't afford it. I think he knows he can afford it. He's kind of like, this is a part of my legacy, which is like... 
weird. Um, but, you know, as long as every child is being taken care of, also, I hope he's also paying respects to the mother that he, the of the child that he just lost, because that was just shortly before, you know, this announcement. And so it's, it's, it's a lot of things where he has to realize it's not just about populating children like you're trying to create your own city. It's about, like, you know quality time and being showing up as a parent in the ways that you can and also being sensitive of just you know like producer justin just pointed out it's more than just a financial support and i love that yeah it is um well that that ex or the other mom yeah Alyssa scott spoke out saying it is painful having my son be a part of conversations that aren't in alignment with his light and legacy it isn't something i chose for him or myself, it's important for me to let you all know I'm centered, I'm at peace, I look at everyone's predicament with loving eyes, I will not judge. Wrote that on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, there's so many jokes here to laugh about, but um, I I just don't know. Like, I, I do wonder if Nick comes out with, like, his, like, you know, if two more baby announcement, is it going to be like, okay, dude, this is not funny anymore. Yeah, and what's not going to be funny is, like, the stories of these kids, what was like growing up with this, right? You know, if yeah. it, like, unless what it goes well, if it I goes hope. well and he somehow builds like a sister wives community and that's just what it is. <laughs> shout out to you, man. We need to see a documentary on that to see how that really works. But girl, like this is a lot. It's like he's building his own euphoria. He's episode. building his own production company. It is just really intense. Okay, well, we've got more show coming up. What's next, Ryan? Okay, so uh, let's actually talk about this, the the way this man died. Because I want to know, is it terrible or kind of iconic? And should we be normalizing sex culture in this way? That oh. is coming up next. Well, this is one way to uh, die with a happy ending. <laughs> So uh, this made headlines in the Daily Mail. A British man uh, who was 70 uh, died inside a happy ending massage parlor. Oh, my God, the music. I can't handle this. uh, Ties Sin City of Pattaya. I would have rather you play Pony. (laughs) I actually would have rather you play Pony. Who who thought the funeral procession was a good? I'm I'm literally breaking the fourth wall right now. You're welcome. I mean, honestly, I was wondering in a way, is it, uh, is it, this is sad, but then, you know, we've heard stories of people uh, dying. I've never heard of any story of someone dying after a happy ending. No, but people have died and had heart attacks while having sex. Oh, yeah. Right? That's not that sad, though. Uh, You know, and then that says if you are going to uh, die, then being in the moment of uh, hopefully a great orgasm, I mean, that's a good thing. Well, I mean, when you think about just, I mean, I know like people in their 70s, I mean, like we said, we mentioned 70s feels very young. It is. That's people are having sex. If you can still, you know, you know, do what it needs to do, you're doing it. And I think that's beautiful. But then also some people, you know, if you haven't done it in a minute and you get, you know, the opportunity to have a happy ending, maybe you got to start a little slow. You can't just go to point A to point Z and think you're going to survive that because clearly we saw what happened. It was a little overwhelming for him. And that's not even to make a joke. I'm just literally saying it sounds like because he like choked. It was like a whole thing. Like, I, you know, it's just a really sad, unfortunate way to go. The question I have is like, how do stories like this come out like to make national headlines? Right. I guess because he was a UK man. This is Daily Mail UK. But like, how does it go from happening in Thailand? Right. And like 
then all the way to like headlines, like national global headlines, which I would say like, let this person be. He had a moment. He's not here anymore. Right. And, and now to like make a whole sensationalized story out of it is also, I mean, imagine you're his family, right? How crushing that is. Well, Just let him be. his identity? I don't think they revealed his identity. Uh, yes, to find John Swain. Oh, damn. 70. <laughs> right? Well, honestly, I'm not judging him. That's the whole issue where we should be, you know, um, not, you know, stigmatizing, you know, this, this sexual type of culture that happens. Like, happy endings really do happen at, you know, massage parlors when it's consensual and things like that. Like, it's kind of just a part of it. And then you're in Thailand, too. Like, anything seems like it goes there and when you when you go to certain spaces. I don't know, you know. I've never traveled out there, but I feel like things happen. Well, things happen everywhere, let me tell you. Oh, but, yeah, uh, for uh, sure. You know, in the comment section, yeah, someone goes, so respect the man's privacy regardless of kink. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, I don't. I don't care too much about this, but I'm I'm happy he went and like he died. But like, girl, he was happy. He had a smile on his face. Besides, you know, in between the choking of it all. So this kind he of he probably smiled first and then he choked. If you, I'm trying to paint the picture, this kind of goes back to, uh, and I, I think we've we might have mentioned this before or off air because when you hear about the wild ways that people pass, right? Is there like a way if you had? This is kind of. I feel like you are really trying to make this like an Oprah Super So Sunday, like come to Jesus moment. And it's just really a guy who died over. What would be? But if you were, it ain't that serious. Like. I watched, there was this uh, movie about the Alpinist, right, on Netflix. Great documentary, by the way. Oh, spoiler. Um, but, like, would you like to die doing something you love, right? Uh, yeah, and if it's getting a probably. <laughs> well, we're wrapping up the show with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes Queen. Okay, this one goes to George Takei, who always saves the day. At the top of Reddit's Our All page lists the most popular posts on the social media platform. He shared this. Change is possible even if it takes time. When I was younger, Asian men couldn't legally marry white women. Now look at me. I married a white dude. Uh, Of course, he married his husband, Brad, in 2008. (laughs) They were the first same-sex couple to apply for a marriage license in West Hollywood. That year after the California Supreme Court ruled that the state had to recognize same-sex marriage. And he continued saying, love you, Bradder. Now, that was on Reddit, but the tweet was originally sent in May 2021. And so uh, someone screenshotted that and it rocketed to the top of Reddit months after it was sent. Cute. I think this is adorable. Yes, it is. And he always wins the internet, really. Yeah, With he great posts. This a while ago. Yeah. yeah. If you follow him on social media, like on all his platforms, he always posts the best stuff. All the good stuff has a resurgence. And that sure. too, definitely. Yeah. So George Takei, you get our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. And that does it for our show today. Thank you for hanging out with us on this Monday. We're here weekdays for you live on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. On tomorrow's show, we have a special guest. Girl, the coconut queen herself, Kim Petras, is joining us to talk all about her new song. And guess what? I mean, she's at the top of the Channel Q charts when it comes to, you know, we love Future Start Now and we love coconuts. And we really got into a great conversation about how she handles everything from criticism to new music what an album feels like when it's done and so get ready for that it's a great conversation it's always a pleasure to talk to the queen 
Love it. Well, that is tomorrow on the show. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Now stick around uh, and listen to Loveline. Hang out with us with Dr. Chris Donahue. He's talking about healthy ways to navigate the internet, which uh, we all live there these days. That would help. That's next. Mm -hmm. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 